Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. And of course, if you guessed that this was being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida, you would in turn be correct. And tonight, we're talking about the Atlanta airport. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And before we get to tonight's topic, let's take a quick spin around the interwebs. Boing Boing sent us this one. A brand new luggage comes with pre-damaged look. Crash Baggage makes polycarbonate luggage with cosmetic damage molded already into its shell. Their mission statement is our suitcases are already dented, worn looking and crashed. With Crash Baggage, we want to overturn the very concept of luggage through our travel philosophy. Get this, handle without care, which exalts the freedom of movement and action wherever and whenever possible without any worries. Honestly, looking at some of their luggage, I feel like I could go to Marshall's or TJ Maxx, which has a just unbelievable selection of cheap and very affordable luggage. Buy some that is in much better shape for a whole lot less since prices for crash baggage start at $275. For that kind of money, you could buy a pretty decent away bag. And I had a friend or, or co-worker that we were onboarding. It was really, it was probably, gosh, 15 years ago when hard-sided or, or solid-shell luggage really hit the mainstream. And he flew into Atlanta and I went to pick him up. He walked out of the front of the terminal and his hard shell bag looked like it was a beer can from a frat party. So he spent about the first three or four minutes of his career with us in the trunk of my car trying to bang this thing back into some sort of a resemblance of a piece of luggage. So that's my take on crash baggage. Our friends up north in Canada caution against letting a moose do this to your car. And what do you think meese or moose could possibly be doing to your car? Well, officials in Jasper have put up signs asking motorists to avoid allowing moose to lick the salt off of their cars. And for moose, salt is a treat that is hard to resist. They are obsessed with salt. It's one of the things that they need for the minerals in their body. Jasper National Park spokesman Steve Young told CNN they usually get it from the salt lakes in the park, but now they've realized they can also get road salt that splashes up onto tourists' cars. Kind of like Canada's own version of a salt lick city, and this is why you always take the insurance out on your rental car. Of course, the bright side of all this is it could be considered an organic car wash. Being a foodie, these next two stories hit very close to home. What is one of the South's most favorite restaurants? And we've talked about this in the past. It is, of course, the Waffle House. And what is one of America's greatest food treats of all time? Why, of course, it's bacon. And do I even have to ask this last one? What is America's favorite beverage of choice? It is, of course, beer. How about combining all three of those? Yes, combining all three of those. One of my favorite magazines of all time, Garden and Gun, and yes, there is a magazine that addresses both Garden and Gun, posted this headline, Waffle House New Bacon Beer, and I immediately started reading. On December 18th, a Coney Brewing Company will release Bacon and Kegs. It's bacon-infused red ale created in collaboration with Waffle House, 
And while you can't actually order the beer in your local Wawa house, beginning next month, you can stop by the brewery in downtown Greensboro, Georgia for a pint, a draft, a growler, or a six-pack to go home and maybe enjoy with a side of hash browns from Waffle House. Now, bacon-flavored or bacon-infused beer is nothing new. Funky Buddha down in South Florida has people waiting in line almost overnight for their annual release of their maple bacon coffee porter. I've had it. It's okay. I would not wait hours and hours in line for it. But the tie-in with Waffle House is an absolute conversation starter, and the Oconee Brewing Company is located east of Atlanta off I-20, I have yet to go there, but it is now on my Brewery World Tour list. And the brewery actually sits not too far off the Oconee Lake or the Oconee River. And years ago, I'm a huge fisherman. I love to fish. And years and years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, we were down in that part of the state and had some friends from out of town. And I think we were just driving around and uh, had left fishing rods in the hotel or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but we came across the Oconee River. And the river was just flowing. And if you looked out into it, and if you if you like fishing for shoal bass and things like that, you could just look and see these pockets where you knew there were fish hanging out there. So the guys that were with us said, look, we're going to go back to the hotel room later on this afternoon, grab our rods and come back. And so we did just that. Uh, we didn't tell them. We didn't let them in on the little secret. And as they rolled back up to the river, the river was now just a small and slight trickle. What they didn't realize with the Oconee River was that it is a dam release, and they had shut the dam off earlier that day. And by the time the river had water had subsided, where they wanted to fish, there was nothing left but a, a couple of shallow pools. Now, also when it comes to food, there are a few items that are very divisive, or a few questions. One is, does pineapple belong on pizza? And that's a whole separate episode, or could be a separate episode. Another one is, are you a fan of the McRib? Well, are you? Guess what? The McRib is back again. And if you didn't know this, the McDonald McRib is a sandwich, and it has over 70 ingredients, but none of it is rib meat. And it was first introduced in 1981, and it wasn't much of a hit. But in the years since, it has established this wild cult following because it sporadically reappears on the menu. And when it does, McRib fans come out of the proverbial woodwork. They have pulled this sandwich from the menu time and time again. They have had a farewell McRib tour. At one point, they had a survey to bring the McRib back, which the survey was actually supported or put together by McDonald's. And it's actually a pretty good marketing you know, move. Uh, the, to be able to create that demand, I liken it to the Cabbage Patch Doll Theory. If you remember those 30, maybe even 40 years ago, Cabbage Patch Dolls were in short supply and people would pay just about anything for it, similar to the PS5 this Christmas season. So how did the McRib actually come into being? Well, you can thank its barnyard cousin, the Chicken McNugget, which was a hit, an immediate hit. And because of that, McDonald's could not source enough chicken to meet the demand. So in turn, they were losing money when customers would walk into a McDonald's wanting a Chicken McNugget sandwich, not a burger. They had no Chicken McNuggets. And in turn, they would walk back out 
the McRib was created to fill that void, believe it or not. So while the sandwich does seem to appear, disappear, reappear on, I say, a pretty much annual basis, it's probably not that often. It is available year-round in Germany as well as Luxembourg. On to tonight's topic, the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, or the Atlanta Airport, or as the locals say, the ATL, but I can tell you that nobody calls it the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, unless it's a news reporter. And this episode was inspired by episode 115, The Towns I Like, And you can't talk about Atlanta without talking about the Atlanta airport. And this is actually worthy of its own episode. My history with the Atlanta airport goes way back. I was based out of Atlanta from 2000 to 2010, probably averaging at that point anywhere from 30 to 40 flights a year. I started using the Swarm app in December of 2010, right before I had moved from Atlanta. At this point, I have over 840 check-ins at airports. And I am willing to bet that several hundred of those are at through the ATL airport or the Atlanta airport. For six years, I flew out of Fort Lauderdale and almost every single connection that Delta, I was still a Delta guy at the time, took you through Atlanta. Now living in Orlando, my airport plane of choice is Southwest. And short of their four or five direct flights that I take advantage of, most of the flights on Southwest still take you through the Atlanta airport. So a couple of Atlanta airport facts. Everybody knows that I love facts. Over 170 million passengers each year go through the Atlanta airport. That is almost 290,000 people per day. And however, as staggering as that number sounds, believe it or not, Chicago O'Hare beats them in terms of total flights. They employ over 60,000 people, Georgia's largest employer. At last count, there were over 200 gates, more than any other airport in the world. There are seven concourses between the domestic and international terminals, five runways, and this is one of the few airports that have triple parallel landing capabilities, meaning that you can land three planes at the same time on parallel runways. Uh, It's kind of cool flying into Atlanta. Sometimes when they bank to make the turn in, you can actually just see the plane stacked up behind you and looking to land. And it's also cool every so often you'll get to land on a parallel runway and watch somebody else landing next to you. And I always imagine the the pilots battling as to which one's going to hit the ground first. No Travel Stories episode would be complete if we did not talk about food. Guess how many places there are to grab a bite to eat inside the Atlanta airport? Over a hundred. And of course they have the typical Chick-fil-A. I think there's two or three locations of that. Shake Shack, the Varsity actually has two locations in the Atlanta airport. Atlanta rapper Ludacris has chicken and beer. Here's a snippet of my Yelp review uh, that I put up two or three years ago. I think Jackie and I were flying out of there and were really hungry and had plenty of time before our flight. So we headed down to, I think he's on Concourse D which is neither a Delta nor a Southwest uh, concourse. So I don't spend a lot of time on D, but we went there and uh, my Yelp review was, it's rare that I review airport food. True, really? What are you going to tell? There's even rare that they earned four stars. Airport food and drinks are expensive. It's something to do with a captive audience, limited time and plenty of seating. 
However, chicken and beer, first beer, a phenomenal draft selection, even better than their bottle selection, which is hard to find. Most of the time, most places will stock up on a whole bunch of bottled beer, and the challenge is getting in a lot of unique draft beers. Next, the chicken. Now, I hate to admit it, but I passed on the chicken. Jackie actually had the chicken, thought it was phenomenal. I went with their IPA burger, and here's why. IPA beer cheese. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with beer. Can't go wrong with cheese. Can't go wrong with IPA beer cheese. Lettuce, hot mustard, caramelized onions, uh, bread and butter pickles, and of course, a side of fries. And actually, the burger was better than I thought it would be, and the taste far exceeded the $14 price tag. There's also a couple of the original El Taco. And for those of you that need me to translate, that is the original, the taco, which is actually pretty good. Far better than, uh, in my opinion, a Moe's or a Chipotle. One Flew South is one of those airport restaurants that is constantly ranked as one of the best of the best. Menu includes sushi, seafood, and of course, salads. Pascal's is this amazing soul food restaurant. There's three locations. They have one in the atrium, so you don't even have to be taking a flight. So if you want to entertain your significant other and have a nice soul food uh, meal. You do not even have to cross through TSA to get to the one in the atrium. They also have a location on Concourse A as well as Concourse C. Now, here's an interesting fact. All of the airport's 100 plus restaurants that use any sort of shark utensils, they have to be tethered to the tables and prep tables and accounted for so people can't smuggle them onto flights. Sounds like working in a prison. If you are a coffee fan, you need your gooey frap fix. There are no less than six Starbucks across the uh, the concourses. If you find that you do your best shopping at the airport, there is, of course, the standard Hudson News where you can pick up two T-shirts for less than 30 bucks. Multiple Sharper Images stores. There is also a Mont Blanc store, a Toomey luggage store. And every time I see a Toomey luggage store, there's one here in Orlando, I always wonder, how do you get to the airport and then suddenly decide that you need to buy new luggage? But they must do all right. There's a Johnson & Murphy. Uh, Sarah Blakely from Spanx has a location. Of course, Pandora Jewelry, a Brighton store. If you've got those last-minute gifts, nothing better than an airport gift to bring home to a loved one. If you find yourself... In need of some self-care, there is, believe it or not, a chiropractic clinic on Concourse A. Don't know if they take insurance or not. I don't know if I would want to get my back or neck cracked and then get on a plane and have to sit still for two or three hours. There are minute suites on multiple of the concourses, and if you're not familiar with minute suites, there are these cool little places where you can take a nap, watch TV, work. They even have private suites, so if you have a long layover for an international flight coming in, and this is your connection, you can go in there and they have a day bed, pillows, blankets, HDTV, and showers for an additional fee. If you are traveling with your service animal or an emotional support animal, there are multiple pet relief stations or areas along the concourses as well as a 1,000 square foot dog park outside by ground transportation. I happen to have a couple of Atlanta airport secrets. The first is checking in and getting through TSA. If you do not have TSA pre-check, they actually do a pretty good job of getting you through there. But there is one main checkpoint, uh, both the north terminal check-in and the south terminal check-in filter or funnel you into this main checkpoint area. When you get there, look to the right. There is a south checkpoint area typically does not fill up as much 
and it dumps you right into the T-terminal. And the T-terminal is the one terminal where you do not have to get on the plane train to get out to the other terminals. But there is an escalator that will take you down to the plane train. It will probably save you five or ten minutes. They do a very good job of getting non-TSA pre-checked people through the lines, but just in case. My other secret is the Delta Dash. So if you have to pick somebody up at the Atlanta airport, there are two terminals. There's a north terminal and a south terminal, and traffic will be abysmal. There is something called the Delta Dash, and I discovered this right after 9-11 when it was just abysmal to get to the airport. But if you're picking somebody up, have them go to baggage claim, get their bags, go to the Delta side of the terminal. I think that is the north terminal. There is an escalator along the windows that will take you downstairs to the Delta Dash. And the Delta Dash is just an offshoot of the entrance into the North Terminal that takes you underneath the terminal. And it shouldn't take you more than three or four minutes to pick somebody up and get on your way. I have a couple memories of the Atlanta airport. One is after the 96 Olympic Summer Games. The airport had a huge mural painted at the top of the escalators that brought you up from the plane trains to the actual terminal. It was called the Spirit of Atlanta. It was a painting of some children welcoming you to Atlanta with uh, Centennial Olympic Park in the background. And when I lived in Atlanta, that mural was what I called a placeholder for me as it indicated that I would be home in less than an hour. Unfortunately, that mural was removed in 2016, I believe, or 2017 and replaced with a large, ugly digital display of screens providing tourist information for arriving passengers. The other cool thing is by the Southwest Terminal, there is an Eastern Airline plaque. And so it has names in Boston, bronze, or embedded into bronze of all the Eastern pilots. Jackie's dad was an Eastern pilot. Uh, My uncle was an Eastern pilot. Both of their names are proudly displayed on that board. Also, you will find it at the Atlanta airport, like every single other airport in the world, except for the airport in Jamaica, there is airport constructions. Somehow I wish that I had the contract for the orange and white cones or the cement barriers that seem to be littered everywhere. Earlier this year as a tribute to Kobe, I was picking up my boss at the Atlanta airport and they had these huge architectural canopies that kind of run across the uh, terminals to the parking lot. And they had those lit up in purple and gold colors as a tribute to Kobe. And as you well could imagine, the Atlanta airport is no stranger to the oddities of the travel verse. About five years ago, it was 2015, a man, he made the local news, as you could well imagine. A man carried a loaded rifle into the Atlanta airport. His name was Jim Cooley. And he says he knew he wasn't breaking any rules when he went in to drop his daughter off. He walked into the airport with his AR-15 fully loaded with 100-round clip. And Cooley was first, he said, approached by fire marshals and then by the Atlanta police, who both asked him about the gun. Cooley said he was just exercising his rights. And he was correct. Even the FBI agents backed Cooley up that said he did not violate any federal law. A state law took effect early in July of 2014 that allowed a permitted citizen with a handgun or legal long gun to carry the weapon in commercial airports, bars, schools, and churches. So my word of advice here is just remember, just because you can do something doesn't make it a good idea. And just this last week or week before first part of December, a naked woman wearing only white slippers shocked the Atlanta airport staff as she sauntered through the terminal. 
And as she passed by one staff member, she stopped to do a little dance. Of course, you know there are videos of this everywhere. And what do we always say about nudity? There's good nudity, which usually involves soft lights, maybe some music, and typically people you want to see naked. And then there is bad nudity, which is typically filled with bad lighting and any kind of nudity that happens in an airport or on an airplane. So in this case, thank you, Atlanta, not necessarily thank you, Florida. Well, there you have it. One of my favorite airports. Someday I'd like to actually total up or tally up the amount of times that I have spent there. I know that airport like the back of my hand. I have watched it grow over the years, over the past probably 30 or 40 years as well. But if you ever get a chance to get to the Atlanta airport, do some exploring. There's all kinds of, actually between the uh, the concourses, there are all kinds of art exhibits to see a history of Atlanta. It's a really interesting place. They put a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of thought into that airport, believe it or not. Well, there you have it. If you have any comments, any ideas, any thoughts, you can leave me a voicemail at anchor.com. Shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. And as we're getting closer to traveling, I say travel safe. But until then, stay safe and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at hypeamerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.